Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. For that matter, when you come to church, I want you just to be able to worship God and express yourself and be able to to really draw close to Him. And so on these Wednesday nights, you know, it's a little more intimate, a little more close setting. And so here's one of those opportunities that you can just experiment with God, meaning I'm just going to experiment in my praise. There's not as many to see me, and therefore, who cares? <laughs> Amen. And just allow yourself to worship God. In fact, I was talking with somebody just the other day. Uh, it was a husband and wife, and they were just talking about some things. And she had said, you know, uh, years ago I used to just worship God and sing to the top of my lungs. And, you know, you realize getting around husbands and wives, you can get self-conscious, right? You know what I mean? It's just like, well, they might hear me and, you know, I might be embarrassed. And so as we got talking, it's like, come on, let's just let it rip. And so it's like, yeah, praise God, just going to get back to that place. But obviously you understand coming around individuals, you might feel a little self-conscious. I want to just take that off the table. When we come into this place, we can just worship God, lift our voice. And the Bible doesn't see, say you need to make a, a joyful melody. It just says make a joyful noise. And so if you can't sing good, it's still noise and it's good Good listening to God. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Well, hey, here's an opportunity for us to give tonight uh, just into uh, what the, 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 the work of the Lord has commissioned us to do. And just as we get ready for that, I just want to remind you of what's coming up in this, the month of October. Uh, October 1st is our church dedication, our building dedication. And uh, my wife and I, we were talking just uh, this past week. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of new faces, a lot of new believers and some just maybe not from a church background and so they might be wondering well what is church dedication well back in the old days when you would get a new building or just a new project of something like of that nature you would take a a, an opportunity just to dedicate the building or the project to the Lord kind of like a baby dedication you dedicate a baby to the Lord saying God we promise to to serve you in this and raise up a child and so what we're doing is as a church family saying God thank you for what you've brought us into. Thank, thank you for the blessing. And we're dedicating this building unto your service. And so that's what it's all about. And so it's a great opportunity for us to celebrate. And as we said, there's just, you know, obviously needs that, that, that come into place as to getting things ready. And so obviously your, your faithfulness and tithing and giving is huge. And uh, one of the things that I'm just endeavoring to get to a place of us as a church is for us, and part of our mission statement is, is that we equip passionate followers of Christ that have a desire to change the landscape of our community and the world. And when you talk about changing the landscape, there's something that uh, is has changed within our landscape of this community over the last several years. In fact, even in the last 20 years, the, the landscape has changed. And a lot of it is, is that people have begun to have a poverty mentality, uh, just thinking lack all the time or barely getting by or it's a, uh, it's a difficult way to make a, a, a life. And God never intended for that to be, especially in the life of a believer. And God set up a system for us to get ahead in life, to have success and to increase, and it comes through the tithe and the offering. You oftentimes hear that and people will say, oh, the church just wants your money. No, it's not about the church wanting your money. It's God's system by which he has the opportunity to bless us. 
And so when we do that, we give God the legal right to open up the windows of heaven and begin to move in the affairs of our life. And just to give you an, uh, an illustration of that, there are some pastor friends of ours that they just launched their church a few years back, and uh, they're in some building projects and things of that nature. And so in the midst of that, they really didn't have the revenue to do what they wanted to do. And so I don't know if some members of the church just volunteered or if they approached the church or just kind of put it on the table. But three individuals in the church, one said, we'll give you or loan to you $20,000. And when you have the ability to pay it back, just pay it back. And he says, okay, praise the Lord. Thank you. Another one came forward and says, well, we'll give you $15,000. And when you can pay it back, you know, just do whatever you can. When the church gets in that position, you know, we're just, we're giving you the money right now. And then lastly, another one gave 15000 So there was one for 20, one for 15, and one for 10. So totaling $45,000 to help them get into the building project or get them where they needed to be. Also, when they found out about us and what we were doing, uh, they were going to actually come down and help us do some renovations within the church. They said, well, hey, we'll come down and help you paint or whatever it might be. And this life got busy and the schedule and everything of that nature. And so finally they said, you know what, we can't come down. It's just gotten too hectic, but we're going to bless you. And they sent us a check for $500 when we were getting ready to get into our building. And obviously that just was a huge blessing for buying paint or whatever. Well, so we were just talking to them the other day and those loans that had been given to them, one twenty thousand, one fifteen, and one ten. One week, in one week's time, one individual came and said, Hey, Pastor, just wanted to let you know that twenty thousand dollars, I'm just gonna write it off. You don't have to pay it back. A couple days later, the one for fifteen thousand says, Hey Pastor, you know, I just wanted you to know. Uh, you said, you know, pay us back whenever you had the opportunity. Well we're just gonna write that off. You just go ahead and put that into the church and just wanted to say, be blessed. And then lastly, the one for $10,000 came and they said, hey, listen, we just want to say thank you for what you're doing. Don't worry about paying us back. Word is giving it to the church. It's just a, a blessing. Why did I say all that? Simply because they invested into kingdom business here. And God always has a way of taking care of your business when you take care of his. It may not be tomorrow. It might be next week. But it's coming. Payday with God always comes because he's faithful to his word. And so I don't know what you have need of. I know some of you are looking to buy new houses. Maybe you need a new car. Maybe you need braces on the kids' teeth. I don't know what it is. But God's faithful to meet the need. He said, I'll supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. He did not put a stipulation on the need. So it might be braces. It might be a new roof on the house. It might be a set of new tires. It might just be a vacation that's been long awaited, whatever it might be. God says, whatever you have need of. I'll take care of it. Amen? And so we just got to trust God. Say, God, you're faithful. So are you ready to give this morning or this morning, this evening? Well, if you didn't give this morning, you can double up tonight. All right? (laughs) I thought that was funny. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to give tonight. We thank you that you are faithful to your word, that, God, you give us opportunity to be a blessing into the work of God. And therefore, God, we give you the right to get into our lives, to help us, to supply a need. And you said that we would have all sufficiency in all things and that it would abound to every good work. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
in our dedication service. If you remember, we said that is October 1st. Uh, but then we are having our grand opening on October 15th. And once again, you might say, well, what's the difference? Why do you have a grand opening? Why do you have a church dedication? Well, the church dedication is just merely for us that call this place home. And just to really be able to have a church celebration. Well, then the 15th is an opportunity for us to invite those that are in the community just to say, hey, come on. We're a new church. This is our grand opening. We've gotten things in place. We've got a cool worship team. We've got great uh, children's ministry. We've got a cafe. Just come and check out church because it's probably different than what you know it to be. And just come and be my guest. And so, again, it's an opportunity for us to do that. Amen? Amen. So, how many people are you going to invite? At least five? Ten? You laughing. Is that too big, too small? Too small? Okay, 20. You invite 20 people then. All right. That's okay. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's jump into tonight. This is the second week of of the month, and so we said that the second week we just get into a Bible study. We're just purposing to grow and just learn just who we are in Christ and what God's desire is for us. And let me just commend you for being here tonight because you could be elsewhere. You could be somewhere else where somebody else is, but you've chose to be here tonight. You made a quality decision to be here. And as a result, we can expect God to minister to us and take us to the next level or cause us to take a step further into his presence. Because once again, you made a sacrifice in being here tonight when others didn't. And so the cream of the crop always rises. And so you're part of that, man. You're just being diligent to say, God, I want more of you. And so in Hebrews chapter 6, Starting in verse 11, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. It says this, it says, But we do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence. Everybody say diligence. Show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope or your faith until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those through faith, uh, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So notice what it says here. He says, There are those that went before you and that are examples to you. And it says, Their faith and patience caused them to inherit a promise. And then he says, I encourage you to show the same diligence and enjoy the full assurance and development of your faith. How many of you know that this this faith walk and this growth as being a believer sometimes is challenging, right? I mean, it, it stretches us sometimes and we say, God, where are you at? God, we would sure like for you to show up. God, this just isn't a good time to... To, to put me through the test right now because I'm just ready for it to be over, right? In fact, my wife, she was sharing with me just, uh, I think it was yesterday. It was just a, a powerful just a thought and statement. And that is, is that when we're living this life of faith, and it is a life of faith, that there are times that we're going to come up against a bridge, and it's a bridge between us and what it's that, that we're believing for, what it is that we're needing. And there's going to be, Every opportunity to draw back. 
But see, that bridge is a bridge for you to go from where you're at in your walk with God to the next place in your walk with God. But you've got to cross that bridge. But so oftentimes, it's real easy to say, well, that's a tough bridge to cross. Or we look at it, and it seems too impossible, and so we just draw back. But until we cross that bridge, until we purpose to take the step of faith, we'll never go from here to there. And so, therefore, he says this. He says, in the development of your faith, be in full assurance of faith or a full assurance of realizing and enjoying that development. So, in other words, we could look at it from a different perspective. God, boy, this is stretching me right now, but God, I thank you. And I'm just going to choose to rejoice. Count it all joy. Paul says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Well, why did he have to tell you to rejoice a second time? Because there's times when you just don't want to. That bridge looks too far. The bridge looks too dangerous. The bridge looks too, too long and too far and too, too wide. But nevertheless, God, I'm going to count it all joy. And I'm going to rejoice in the journey because you're taking me from here to there. But he says, show the same diligence. So as I look at that scripture, and there's so much that is packed within that, those two verses, but that tells me that diligence produces a reward of promise. I said diligence produces the reward of promise. But notice he says this. He says, don't become sluggish. The King James Bible says, Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Well, to say that, many of us would take take issue with that. Well, I'm not lazy. I mean, I work hard. I get up early. I go and and do what I need to do. I, I put food on the table. I'm diligent to keep a good house, to keep a roof. I'm not lazy. I am a hard worker. But many times we ask the question, or many would ask, How come so many believers are not walking in the blessing or the inheritance of promise? Because many of those people, you would say, they're certainly not lazy. So then it begs to question, what does it mean when God says, don't be lazy? In that particular verse. Because in this, being lazy or being sluggish keeps us away from receiving the inheritance of promise. Well, in that word promise or excuse me, in that word patience, through faith and patience, this is what patience means. It doesn't simply mean to be passive and passively waiting for the inheritance to show up. What it means is, is to be persistent. It means to not settle. You know, we think, well, I'm just being patient. I'm just just believing God. I'm just waiting on God. I'm just believing Yep, praise the Lord. But waiting does not ensure the promise of God. Being in a place of of passivity does not ensure the promise of God. It says persistence inherits the promise. Not settling. Do you know what I mean? There's many of us that settle in different areas. And for that matter, we could all examine our life and say, well, you know, I'm kind of settling here or I'm settling there. There are relationships, families 
that have just settled and said, well, I'm believing God to turn this around and we just sit there and wait. And what we're waiting for is the other person to make the step. But God says, listen, there's more at work here than just you waiting. There's an enemy that's at work here. Be persistent. Don't just settle for the status quo or or don't just settle and say this is the best it's ever going to get. No, take a stance and be persistent to say, God, it doesn't have to be this way. And this is not going to be the standard. I'm not going to settle for what it looks like. I'm going to be diligent to inherit the promise that you said. Whether it's my physical health, whether it's my finances, the soundness of my mind, the stability of my home. God, I'm not settling for what I have or what things look like because you said that there is a promise that I can inherit. There's a promise that belongs to me. So as I said, when it, we, we say, well, I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to believe God. Well, you can sit there and believe God until Jesus comes home and never receive the promise. Why is that? Because if you recall, when we see there in verse 12, In Hebrews chapter 6, it says, those who through faith and. Did you see that? Through faith and patience. Well, faith is the believing side. Patience is the persistent side. I'm going to get this thing like a dog on a bone. You know, isn't that what... uh, uh, pit bulls, isn't that one of those things that they're notorious for? Or that, that, that the kind of the uh, stigma is, is that once they bite, their jaws lock. They can't let go. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of the stigma that you hear. Well, that's why what, how we got to be when it comes to the promises of God. I'm going to bite down and I'm not letting loose. Don't matter what comes my way. Don't matter whether the devil comes and tries to slap me upside the head, tells me I can't have it, tells me I'm a bad person, tells me I don't deserve it. I'm biting onto this thing and I'm not letting go. I'm persistent and I'm not settling until I get what God said I can have. Right? Because this is what God's word says. There's faith and patience. And Hebrews eleven six says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it says, the reward comes to those who diligently seek Him. See, once again, there's that word. Diligence, patience, persistence. And the thing about that is, is that in this culture that we live in, to be diligent, to be persistent, to not settle is somewhat challenging because we live in such a microwave, instantaneous culture, don't we? In, in, in many ways, it's convenient, and in many ways, it's better. But I think we've gotten into a place where we want everything right now. I mean, you can go online and buy something right now on Amazon, and it shows up in two days. I can go on the internet and get information right now. I don't have to wait until the library is open and go down to the library. I can get it now. And as a result, we have trained ourselves to not have patience like we once did. Or to set a standard of not settling until it's just like, well, I can, I can get it here, I can get it there. You know, as, as time has gone on, technology has made it easier to study the Word of God. Going back 20 years ago, you know, computers were, in fact, when I was, it's been over 20 years now that I've been in Bible college. But back then, in fact, I bought my first computer back then. 
and the internet was, was relatively new. They didn't have all the things on the internet that they do now. But in my study time, how I studied for the Word of God or studied for a message, I had volumes of books. I had the Strong's Concordance. I had the Vine's Dictionary. I had another Bible that was called uh, the 26 Translations. And so in that, it had 26 different translations that I could, could, could dissect and, and, and correlate to one to the other. And so as I began to do my message and study things out, I would go to one to find out what words mean. I'd go over to this one to have a dictionary uh, definition and go over to this one to find this and that. And it made study tedious. It made it more lengthy in the time of of preparation. I just discovered a Bible app uh, about three weeks ago called the Blue Letter Bible. I don't know if any of you know what that one is. Now, I've had on my, uh, on my phone uh, in apps that I use called uh, Bible Gateway. I can go in there and I can check different translations. And there's different Bible apps. But this one is a new one that I just was turned on to. Because in that, I can go in and I can get all kinds of translations. In it, I can dissect the words. I can get a Greek lexicon. I can get the concordance. I can get cross-references. I can get commentaries. It's awesome. And it's just the click of a button. It's no longer books on the table and flipping through. For the sake of getting information, it is amazing. But the one thing that it robs you of is that it doesn't get penetrated into your heart as well because everything is so easy. Back in the days when you had to dig and mine it out like it was treasure, it was something that stuck, stuck with you better. What am I saying? I'm talking about living a life where we're purposing to be diligent. Here's what the word diligent means. It means to be vehement, to be intense, and passion, and passionate, or excuse me, passionate and fervent, holy, uh, uh, speedily. And the last one is before the dawn of the sun rising. So in other words, getting up early or first thing. Did you, did you hear those? Diligent means to be intense, passionate, fervent, giving myself holy to, doing it speedily or expediently. How much of that do we do today in the culture we live in? Well, I want it now. No longer do we have to save up our pennies anymore because I can get a credit card, right? We live in an instant gratification society. But God says there's something to be said for diligence, And the promises of God and the inheritance of God is only going to come through diligence, persistence, not settling. Isn't it interesting? Everything else that's changed, but God has stayed consistent. If you want what I have, you're going to have to pursue me. If you want what I said you can have, you've got to seek my face. It's not instant. And wouldn't it be great if it was instant? But if it was instant, we would never grow in faith. If it was, if it was instant, we would come up against a bridge and say, I'm not crossing that bridge because it's too scary. But once you step out and say, God, this looks frightening. I don't know what's on the other side. I don't know what's underneath. I don't know if it's safe, but God, I know that you're going to hold my hand. And once you get through the other side, through the tests and the trials and the ups and the downs, the bumps and the bruises, and you stand on the other side saying, God, we did it.
the next time that an obstacle comes, you're able to stand and say, God, you did it then and you'll do it now. Simply because we purpose to trust him. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says this. It says, don't be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The Amplified says this, don't be lagging in diligence. So when it comes to serving the Lord, don't be lazy. Don't be sluggish. Or in other words, don't just settle. When it comes to church, I hope that you don't settle. Now, I'm not saying that there's things that you're you're saying, well, I've got personal preferences. I'm talking about what God's wanting to do within your church. Don't settle. Don't just say, well, I'm just attending. I'm just a bump on a log. No, exert your faith. Put it forward and believe God with us to say, God, this is what you said this could be. And we're believing you. We're not settling until we see that come to pass. Amen? Not being sluggish in our relationship with God. Now, in regards to being sluggish, or as the Bible said, being lazy, what causes that to happen in our lives? I believe my wife was ministering, if I remember correctly, she shared this past Sunday and kind of made reference to individuals that you've seen or maybe it's been you at some time or another where you were just passionate in your relationship with God. I mean, you're just on fire, just hungry, just so desired to have a relationship from Him. And then little by little, you see people kind of get pulled away or maybe even felt yourself get kind of disconnected. What is it that causes that? The more that we yield to the flesh, the more lazy or sluggish we become and our standard begins to drop. Your pursuit, your pursuit for God will set the standard for everything in your life. Your pursuit will God will put limitations in particular areas. For instance, <laughs> we were talking with somebody just the other day. Uh, they were talking about buying a house and talking about how the finance companies will, will just kind of mess you up if you let them. And I remember when we first bought our house, I worked for General Motors, and my wife, she had a good job working for a, 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 a building company. And uh, when I went to the, the, the bank, they said, well, this is what you're approved for. And I'm thinking... Well, how in the world can I be approved for that? Because if, if that's what I bought a house for, I mean, I still got to put insurance on it. I still got to have the utilities. I still got to have food. I still got to have a car. And so, therefore, the relationship with God or my relationship with Him begins to give me discernment and wisdom to set a standard in areas of my life. If I pursue Him, He won't let me make bad financial decisions Come on, how many of you have ever made bad financial decisions? Anybody? Come on, just raise your hand if you ever have. I have. We all have. And let's be honest. In, in the midst of making those financial decisions, and this is really if you were walking with God, uh, first and foremost, and as you're getting ready to make that bad financial decision, something on the inside is scratching and saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't buy that. And you overrode what was on the inside and you made that decision and it hurt you or you thought, dear God, what the heck did I do? That was so stupid. 
Well, there was something on the inside that was trying to help you. There was something on the inside trying to set a standard in the financial affair of your life. Well, the relationship with God or my relationship with Him will cause me to have a standard of excellence and really to cause my standard to be raised. Meaning what I, what I desired yesterday in terms of what I wanted from God, this year, it's more. God's stretched my faith, and I'm believing God for more than I ever believed God for before because of my relationship with Him. But if I'll give place or yield myself to the flesh, it will cause me to be sluggish, lazy, as the Scripture says, and therefore my standard begins to lower. Does that make sense? Amen. And so, concerning that, our flesh wants to be lazy, Nobody wants to get up early and pray. Your flesh doesn't say, whoo, alarm went off, let's go. No, your flesh says, hit the snooze. Or we're in, we're in this time of fasting and prayer for the next 21 days, and hopefully you're a part of that, just setting some kind of benchmark for yourself. But I'm telling you, the last couple of days, my flesh has said, you're hungry. I'm like, shut up. Well, yeah, but you could just eat this. Yeah, but you just need to be quiet. Well, my flesh don't want to not eat the junk food or it doesn't want to do what I've committed to do, right? Can anybody say amen to that? Or just let things go. Or if we get sluggish from a spiritual standpoint, just let the sin go. Don't worry about addressing that or making corrections. But the more you get or the more you get it together on the inside, the more it will show up on the outside. When you purpose to be diligent in your pursuit and your relationship with God, it will make an appearance on the outside. And once again, one of the greatest ways that I can illustrate that, that is physically and visibly and tangible in the sense of feeling, I, I can't even, uh, what am I trying to say? Well, when it comes to spending time with God, how many of you know that God is love? If I purpose to spend time with God, it's a whole lot easier to be patient with a wife and with children. It's a whole lot easier to be loving rather than being touchy. I've noticed that. When I purpose to spend time with God, it changes the way that I think. It changes the way that I respond. It changes the way that I talk. And my wife says, well, you need to do that more. Praise the Lord, right? You've been praying for that, right? (laughs) Amen. I'm saying in my personal life, that is something that is physically tangible that I experience or notice within my own personal life. And it's just simply spending time with God that there begins to be a standard set or things on the inside begin to have an appearance on the outside. But it's all too often been the attitude of, well, it's good enough. It's good enough. I remember... uh, my friend, uh, is one of my best friends in high school, and we were doing a job for my dad. I don't remember what it was, but my friend came over and helped me. 
And my friend said to me, and he was just trying to be cute, trying to be funny. But as we got to the end, my friend says to me, he says, well, it's, it's good enough for who it's for. And he just thought that was funny. But that really irritated me. Because I'm thinking, well, we're doing this for my dad. And you're saying, well, it's good enough for who it's for. Well, who it's for is for my dad, so it needs to be done right. And we're going to do it until. And like I said, it just really kind of irritated me. that. And like I said, he was trying to be funny in what he was saying. But that's oftentimes the attitude with the body of Christ. It's good enough. It's good enough for who it's for. Well, if I'm that way for my dad, how much more should we be when it comes to God? It's, it's good enough for him. Because he deserves the best. He deserves my full attention. He deserves my affection. There's often times when it comes into the body of Christ, the attitude is just, whatever. Ever have your kids say that? Whatever. Roll the eyes. We might think it's cute. We might think that it's funny. But really, it's rebellion. Right? Isn't that really at the core or the root of it? It's rebellion against God. Because as we purpose to pursue Him, He's always lifting the standard. He's always saying, come up higher. Come on, let's just pursue this thing. Let's just be persistent. Let's just grow together. There's things that I want you to do. There's things that I want you to experience. But you've got a purpose to trust me. And unless you pursue me, you'll never come to the place of trusting me from here to there. Amen? You doing okay? Like I said before, many times people ask the question, why are so many believers not blessed? Well, it's not for the sake of them not being believers because they are followers of Christ. They they have made Jesus the Lord of their life. But it's more than just believing or having faith in Jesus. It's faith and. It's the pursuit I've heard people say this before. You know, if I had a million dollars, man, I would be a big giver in church, baby. And I'm thinking, if you can't be a giver now, you certainly wouldn't be a giver when you got a million dollars. And in fact, if you got a million dollars, we'd probably never see you around here again. You'd probably, you know, just take off. You know, <laughs> there is this side of faith and the patience, the pursuit, the being diligent. And here's the thing, when you can really do anything that you want to do, God has made you a free moral agent. He's given you the ability to do whatever you want to do, but what you choose to do shows and reveals your heart. Like I said, diligence in pursuing God. You could have stayed home. You had every right to, but you made a choice to come here tonight. That reveals your heart. God, I just want more. God, I want to know you. God, I want to grow in this church family. It gives you the opportunity to grow in him. Amen? How are we doing on time? I don't have my phone. 725, she's getting me on track. All right, give me a few more minutes and we'll wind it up. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. If you remember... God said to Adam, tend the garden. That word tend actually means to guard. And if you recall, the Bible tells us that 
Adam and Eve got tempted, right? Well, how did they get tempted? The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. So, if you recall Jesus, Jesus is known as the last Adam. And do you remember when Satan tempted him? He tempted him multiple times. So, we read in Genesis as though Satan came one time and says, hey, why don't you eat the fruit? But we know that that's not the case because anybody that is walking close with God wouldn't give the enemy time of day. So what that tells me is that the enemy had to come and had to come and had to come and wear them down to the point of where they got distracted and where their guard was let down. They stopped being diligent. They stopped being uh, persistent. They let the standard fall. And as a result, when the temptation came, they gave in. Why? Because they stopped being diligent. If it happened to them, it'll happen to us or can happen to us. But what happens in that place or what causes that? The enemy come and talking, talking, talking. It doesn't work. You're no better. Finances are worse yesterday or today than they were yesterday. Marriage don't look any better. Kids are still acting stupid. It just doesn't work. Come to church, give them a tithe. Then they ask for tithe, and then they ask for not. Every week they're asking for a tithe and offering. And I'm not seeing my finances getting any better. And the devil says, yeah, why don't you stop doing that stuff? Why don't you stop reading your Bible? Why don't you stop going to church? Why don't you stop hanging out with those people? Why don't you go back to the old lifestyle? Why don't you, hang, why don't you call so-and-so? Why don't you go and just have a good time? And little by little, and little by little, and little by little, the talk that you hear in your ear, if you don't give place to guard your heart and be persistent in your faith and patience, the devil will wear you down to the point where you'll give in. And have you ever been there? Now, all of us have been in that place before. But have you ever been in that place where you let your guard down and you succumb? All the guilt... And the shame that comes with that. Oh, dear God. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I gave in to that. And then the devil, once he got you there in the first place, he's like, yeah, you call yourself some kind of Christian. Look at what you did. You were not worth a hill of beans and beat you up on the backside. Right? (laughs) Why? He's wanting us to lower the standard. He wears on us. He wars on us. To the point of where we succumb. Psalms 27 verse 23 says this. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herd. So in other words, as a believer, he says, be aware of your circumstances. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of your family. You give attention to that. Know the state of where they're at. As a husband to a wife, you ought to know the state of her spiritual well-being. Because that's your wife. Wives, you ought to know the state of affairs of your husband. Where are they at spiritually? Well, I don't know. That's their walk with God. Hey, listen, the two shall become one. If you're one with him and him with her, then you ought to be able to have a discerning on the inside. Where are they at spiritually? 
Are they slipping? Are they falling? Are they letting the standard down? down? Are, they, are they slipping in their diligence? Well, what am I supposed to do? Pray. Uplift them. Encourage them. Not be condescending or condemning. Encourage them. Why? Because know the state of the flock. Know that current situation. Same thing with your children. God can give you discernment concerning your children as to what's going on. But if we just let our guard down, the devil will wreak havoc in our lives. You can't just roll over and say, God, you take care of it. We can't get into trouble and say, God, you fix it. The devil is waiting for us to get sloppy. He's waiting for us to get lazy and slothful. And we can't stick our heads in the sand and just say, well, if I ignore it, it'll go away. Right? Being diligent. Let me just finish with these couple thoughts. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It's talking or the translation there talks about diligence. Keep pursuing, keep pursuing, keep pursuing. It's not a pursuing in though you're begging God and asking the same question over and over. God, please, God, please, God, please. No, be diligent in your pursuit. God, I know that you're faithful. God, I know that you're faithful. God, you're so good. Give me direction. Give me wisdom. God, I thank you that you're opening up doors. You're pursuing his faithfulness because it's your inheritance. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Come close to God and God will come close to you. See, it didn't say that God will fix it. He just said come close to God. God's light and there's a lot of darkness that's trying to succumb our lives. If you'll get in the light, the darkness has to flee. If you'll get into the presence of God, the enemy can't abide there. You get into the presence of God, sickness can't abide there. You get into the presence of God, poverty and lack can't abide there. But there's a persistence of pursuing Him. Paul was a man that had a passion for God. The Bible says that when he fell in love with Jesus... He was a very religious man. You obviously know the story. He was a, he was a, uh, what's it, what was he? Pharisee. So he was very religious. He, he knew the law. But it, when he found Jesus or had a relationship with him, he became ablazed with the fire and passion of God on the inside. My wife talked about the fire of God a couple of weeks back, I think on a Wednesday night. Awesome message. But Jesus himself, the Bible says that he is a consuming fire. When he comes on the inside and when you purpose to pursue him, he will light you a fire. And whenever there is a fire, there's heat. And if you'll get hot enough, you'll begin to sweat. Amen? Do you remember Paul had a passion to share the gospel of Jesus. He would get up in the morning. He'd go make tents. And then after he made tents. He would go preach the gospel. After he preached the gospel. He'd go make tents. He'd get up the next day. He would go make tents. He would go preach the gospel. He'd make tents. To the point where he was so impassioned. Empow- empowered with God. That the Bible says that. He began to send aprons and handkerchiefs to the sick. And when they laid them on the sick. 
the sick recovered. Well, what was in an apron or what was the handkerchief? Anybody know what a do-rag is? I wear a do-rag when I go motorcycle riding. Well, if you're, if you're building tents and you're working, you put a do-rag on to catch the sweat. So you take that do-rag or that handkerchief and you send it to somebody. What's it full of? Sweat. What was the sweat from? Having such a passion to do what it took to do to minister the gospel of God, to do what Jesus had commissioned him to do. And in the sweat was a supernatural empowerment to set people free, literally and figuratively. When we become ablaze with God himself because of our passionate pursuit, the sweat or the anointing of God that is upon our lives will begin to set people free. Because... Of the standard that you've set for your own life. And people will say. I want what you got. Amen. Let's pursue him with a passion. Let's be diligent. Amen. And therefore. Through the sweat equity of us being passionate pursuers and followers of Christ. We build the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in the name of Jesus. We thank you. For tonight, we thank you that, Lord, we are going to pursue you with a passion, with fervency, with diligence. God, there's all kinds of obstacles, but God, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. God, give us the strength to say no when we need to say no. Give us the wisdom to say yes when we say yes. God, we thank you that you are leading us to a higher place and to a deeper call and a deeper walk with you in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. Amen. Hey, 735. Did all right. You get anything? What'd you get? Anybody? Just give me some feedback like we did before, like last week. Anybody get anything? If you got something, what'd you get? Anything in particular? You got something, what'd you get? That thing? <laughs> or you tell me later. <laughs> Anybody? This something that stands out, say, man, that I got something out of that. This is what just spoke to my heart. Anything in particular? Not trying to put anybody on the spot. Just, you know, when you have some feedback, it just kind of makes it stick a little bit. Don't give up. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, sure. Amen. Yeah, just getting life back into a routine of pursuing God. And uh, you sent my wife a text this morning. And just, just kind of, she, she sent my wife a text that said this. It says, the tide is turning for our favor. I can't remember what else she was saying. But she said, I was just in prayer and was praying for, for the church. And this was reminded that the Lord said, now back in October of last year, the word of the Lord came to the church and said, the tide is turning in your favor. And as we're driving, we're driving in to take the, the kids to school. And my wife read that to me. And it's amazing, just in that moment of prayer, you became an encouragement to my wife and I. And we're like, "Woo! praise God, that's right. The tide is turned for our favor. Amen. Good stuff. Amen. Anybody else? Awesome.
You're going to preach better next week then. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll let you go. Thanks. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life